You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We have a great show today. We're going off the beaten path a little bit into the world of academia. We have uh, Robin Barone uh, joining us. Robin is an adjunct professor at the Shack Institute of Real Estate at NYU, where she teaches uh, coursework at the intersection of real estate and prop tech. Our conversation uh, is especially interesting to folks who are in the real estate industry, but interested in trying to understand how their careers might be impacted by technology or how they could pursue careers in the prop tech space or technology in the built world. Uh, Robin has a deep background uh, going back to her days on the real estate side, also as an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur in residence currently. Uh, so she has a great perspective on what it takes to understand prop tech landscape, landscape and how that fits into the academic world. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Robin, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, I know that you met my co-founder, Andrew, in your travels through the real estate and prop tech space in, uh, in New York. Um, but why don't you uh, give a little bit of uh, background about yourself uh, to our audience? Yeah, so um, I'm an adjunct instructor at NYU Shack School, which is a master's program in real estate uh, here in New York City. My background's a whole host of uh, career that began in real estate finance and investment working for an investment fund and some several REITs and on the finance side before journeying over to the entrepreneurship side. Um, so I've been on various sides and I'm currently a EIR within a, the startup studio, but insurance company um, during the day. And I'm a teacher at night. Cool. So you have both real estate knowledge and experience as well as company building experience and, and entrepreneurship experience. How did both of those things kind of collide to your night, night job, which is um, being a teacher? Kind of uh, twofold. So I've always liked um, explaining things to people, like the story aspect, almost like a journalist. And so 10 years ago, I was invited to be actually an adjunct teaching basic corporate real estate finance, NPV, IRR, basic underwriting stuff. And over time became redundant and kind of twofold happened in my real career, I guess you could say, is I had left finance in the world of structuring, which I loved, but after a while became monotonous. And once I went over to the startup side, I discovered I liked building companies. I love the art of the big mess, like what's going to happen? Where is it going to be? Perhaps if I had, in hindsight, I should have been a developer, but I love like figuring out what it's going to be. Where's the product fit? Who's our customer? Um, I really enjoy that mishmash. And so my startup was actually in the media space. And um, then I started meeting all these real estate companies and learning about the whole journey and the process and technology. And then once I crossed over and realized I'm much more suited, my time and talents are much more suited to the chaos of a startup and building companies than just originating loans and buying debt, which is, which is great. It makes a lot of money, but it became completely um, unsatisfying for me personally and who I am mm -hmm. as a person. I'm not really an institutional person and, it just wasn't working. So that's what started down the path. And then also what started to happen in, in the late teens, like 2017, 2018, as Amazon really started to take over and explode with Prime, for example, um, 
I really started to think about real estate and demand changing, like technology was changing demand and there's new business models originating and these new business models were going to change demand, but also, you know, technology had evolved to processing power and storage where you could actually create solutions. Like the tools existed to create these solutions that can make our lives easier. So you look, I would look back on my old life and go all the time my head was banging against the wall going, wow, now you can create stuff. It's much easier to create stuff. And it's not necessarily like when I started my career and I was at SL Green and our CFO was like, oh my God, it was only a million dollars for a server room. Like that was technology, but that really isn't technology. And if that was just a functional, so like it's just evolved and it's fascinating. So what happened was I started petitioning NYU because I felt we were doing a disservice to the students. We were teaching them the old way of doing things, but everything progresses and moves forward and needs to adjust and innovate. And I felt it was important that, you know, for a real estate program, we're not going to necessarily teach kids, students how to become CTOs, but we can give them the knowledge and the tools. I mean, if we're an educational institution so that they can decipher, like use their own judgment, I can give them enough content and knowledge so that they can use their own free will to decide what is good for them, what is bad for them. But it was important that they be able to have a certain amount of knowledge, as I say, to go on vacation, not necessarily live like live in a foreign country, but have enough knowledge they could survive, they can appreciate, they can engage with technology in a meaningful way, whether it's a tool, whether it's a service, um, because there's so many opportunities. Real estate's so different now from, I mean, we've got cybersecurity concerns. You have so much that can be done with automation and workflow. And it's, it's like really incredible, like when you put these minds together, what's happening um, and there's a massive gap because people aren't trained to be engineers and CTOs in real estate. And so we're pulling from other industries. So as other industries change or outsource, those professionals are coming now to the real estate space and they're adding like complete value. That's almost on par with, you know, the head asset manager, the head acquirer, you know, in that same ballpark, because you make money in real estate by what you pay for it, how you operate it and how you finance it. And technology is really changing the game with how um, how owners operate real estate, but also how the occupiers, whether they're residents or whether they're tenants, anybody in the components, you know, how we use it's changing. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to be at 57th and park. You can be there one day a week, half day a week. Like, everything is changing and shifting. So um, it's a really unique opportunity. So trying to give students like the ability to understand the pain points and the to appreciate how do you build a company and that there are other opportunities in the industry to, to contribute and have like meaningful careers that goes beyond, you know, the typical analyst program, go be an analyst for two years to fund and then go to graduate school and go down this, you know, repetitious path. That's one option or go join a company like yours and be a part of maybe sales and customer success and build out teams and add functions. And, you know, that's a whole different journey that could be more fulfilling for a person who's got different interests. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're teaching two things. One is the description that you, you know, so so eloquently put around how technology is changing this industry and you need to have a base understanding of what, what, what the trends are, what's happening in your space. And then the other is like, how do you actually, potentially build a company in this space. Um, so if we touched it on the first one for a second, yeah, I think it's fascinating too, because you have prestigious real estate programs in some of the best universities in the world um, that are training people to go do this real estate job. But the moment you're on that job, especially if you're 
Gen Z and younger or millennial and younger, you're going to probably run into some sort of pain point or frustration with the way your job gets done. And I would imagine these younger generations are just going to be kind of shocked that like, why isn't there like a technology that is like making this automated or easier or how come I'm still doing this in Excel or complete manual work? So I think a lot of the prop tech companies that have emerged over the last decade or so have been started by people who have like experienced these problems like on the job. Oh, and, totally. and then this next wave is kind of like, hey, by the way, there's this thing out there, which is going to work in the prop tech space. Like I know you want to be in real estate, but some of the more bleeding edge companies out there that are changing real estate are actually technology companies. So have you ever considered your skill set and how that might fit in there? I, I, I would imagine that's part of the part of that curriculum. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of like I, one reason I like teaching is helping people realize their potential and it's interesting. So the average age of my, of my students is like mid twenties. And so for them, like they've always had email and they've always had the tools that I acquired in my life. So for them, so many things are intuitive and natural. Like why wouldn't you do things this way? And so we talk about the evolution. So for them to do things, you know, to engage with technology, it's more obvious. They're more trusting of it as a tool Right, and they're more engaged with it because it's parts of their life, and so for them, they're more naturally interested in it. Right, for for for, for our for ourselves, it's, it wasn't necessarily a part of our journey or core offering, and so um, it's very interesting to see how we engage and we ask questions, and they they ask questions from a perspective of what was being done before, you know, and you get a founder who's like, well, before it was an Excel sheet, and the founder. and all the information was everywhere, and it was chaotic, and we couldn't find it, and there was just a person doing it. And so they can understand to them, it's more a natural way of, of just living or existing. So they get it much quicker. So there's that aspect. They also understand like the business case study because, you know, we're all natural born in real estate. You're like, what's the ROI? What's the ROI? <laughs> IRR. And so they're coming at it from a more responsible business perspective. Like if I spend a million dollars, I want to return on my money. So they're looking at from it, well, how is that going to impact? How is that going to save money? How is that going to grow revenue? So they can, they get that, they get that real estate perspective also, but also looking at opportunities from what actually make money to pursue. Um, so maybe you have that risk management perspective embedded in them in that sense. Um, but no, it's very fascinating. I think it's very fascinating because I get to meet all the cool founders doing interesting stuff and um, it keeps, I'm very curious. So it keeps me engaged in a very different way. And then you learn a lot from collaboration. And so unlike in the real estate space where it's very acquisition dominant deal driven, which is a massive uh, competitive alpha male space, technology is built on collaboration, building on lessons learned, you know, why that failed. It's, uh, it's actually anything, any technology solutions designed around, you know, figuring out how you failed and making it better, which is a completely different perspective. It's not winner take all. It's kind of like, okay, that didn't work. Let's try it this way. Let's iterate. And it's more collaborative and creative. And I think um, it's a very different journey. It's a completely different journey. And so, yeah, so it's offering more opportunities up and like saying the pie is not getting smaller. Many people think, oh my God, technology is going to come after me and take my job. But it's, it's not that it's coming after your job. It's Your job is changing. It will change regardless. You know, progress is inevitable. So why not participate and, like, make the pie bigger? And then there's more, more opportunities. Because there's only so much room for people to be acquirers and king of the hill. 
in that sense, and it's only so much property to asset management, but what about the other functions? I mean, there are better opportunities than, I mean, becoming more on the engineering side or figuring these solutions out is much more fun and interesting than the other side of it. So I think it, people fail to see that technology is actually creating more unique and more satisfying career opportunities um, if you have the right approach. Yeah. Have you had success with um, folks um, graduating out of your, your classes and, and landing at prop tech companies? So, so far, this is the first semester we're doing it where I've had successes <laughs> um, when founders know a role. So like, I'm very open with my students. Like, how can I help you? Like, I try to engage with them because I want it to be a fulfilling experience. Um, so some of them are very open. Like, I do want to stay. I don't want to change. So I try to connect them with like-minded people because some are architect, architects, some are asset managers, some are a whole host of things. But when jobs do come up, I do share with students who know and have communicated that um, full-time I am looking for a job in the spring or an internship. So I try to be very um, sharing. That's just my personality. If, you know, if you send me a post saying I blast it around because you never know what's going to go and people have helped me in my career. So I believe in paying it forward. And especially in real estate, which is very relationship based, yeah. um, it's so important to, you know, you do favors for people, but because there'll be a time when you need a favor and you need help. So yeah. I'm seeing traction that like students getting interviews. And then I think as we go forward, like in my crazy head, the ideal is eventually there'll be a concentration on innovation where you really do go dive a bit further deep and the students can actually build an MVP or learn more about, you know, the investing space, the legalities of the investing space and go forward. Right now it's two electives, um, but that's baby steps. It took a long time to get it this far. And then it'd be great to create these opportunities because we do, um, they all understand the pain point, the business case study around why you create a company. And they've come up with really interesting ideas in their like projects, you know, from their own experiences, because they have such diverse experiences, some from automation, some from management, you know, using basic tools, like they're looking at their basic phone going, I wish we had a QR code to track things and maintenance and suddenly, so a few of them have come to some really cool ideas. And so I'm trying to nurture it to the best I can within this small window for that aspect, but um, it'll be interesting to see what I can do next year, whether we can get content created like business case studies. So just like, for example, in science doctors, they do research, they document their findings in cancer, for example. And then every doctor learns and they build and build and build. And so then you've got a breakthrough treatment in cancer. In the business world, we've got, what, thousands of startup companies, you know, a few hundred solving one pain point, but they're all learning the same thing at the same time in competition. Now imagine a world of where if there was like a Switzerland, and I think this is where you, NYU has a unique opportunity um, in my my little crazy vision of it is like, why not be, you know, this startup learned this, it only got this far. What if the next one picked up the ball and moved it forward three more feet, right? But then you, then you get attain better progress. And I think hopefully eventually there's like, there'll be more knowledge sharing. So we're all building off of the lessons, not just the technology, but like the business case study gets better. Um, and so that's yeah. the kind of hope for next year is to create. Kind of like an accelerator, right? People come in and they... But as an institution, you're kind of like the United Nations, right? You're a neutral spot to provide people with all, like what I like doing is I get to give students all these different ways of thinking. I don't tell them my way of thinking is the right way. Like I have a certain bias in my own investments and my own business perspective, but I like to say, here's the whole range, you know, here's all your options and then give them enough tools and structure that they can use their to assess and think 
independently and make their own judgments on what direction they want, like helping them self-direct. And I just kind of view myself as a guide in that aspect. But as an institution, now you can be like the like United Nations, a central gathering place for better innovation. It can be a place where owners and just traditional professionals come and engage and give their feedback because as a startup, what's the most important thing you need? You need feedback. You need feedback on pain points, feedback on engagement, like how to make it better. So like, how do you build more? It could be just a very powerful community and it's unbiased because it's not necessarily working for any investor beyond its community members. Yeah. How do you plan to um, spread the word? Cause it sounds like, I mean, you're in, you're in New York, so you're in like the largest commercial real estate center on earth, arguably. Um, you've got other awesome universities there. You've got private equity funds. You've got REITs. You've got any job that you want in commercial real estate is somewhere in New York City. It sounds like this could be like an awesome thing for not necessarily even just like someone that's going through a master's program to want to learn. Um, how do you NYU, amplify the message? Yeah. So just so you know, the, the NYU alumni, the alumni of this program, it's now it's, I think it's like 50 years old or 40 years old. It started by a man named Deed Patton. There's like thousands of alumni all working in some capacity. So even within the alumni community, it's so massive with the large concentration um, in New York. There are a lot, there's also a lot of people abroad in different pockets. Um, but just even in that regard, there's a lot of people, you know, a subway wired away. So within that community, like serving that community, you don't really have to go outside of it. Like it's powerful within the community, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Like all thinking a certain way, like I'm a part of a pen community that they think they, they think and operate differently, like within the alumni bases. Um, but we, within our community that, yeah, so you've got all these access to New York, but you don't have to go. There's already so many other opportunities to engage as an industry, when you talk about the bigger picture from the Mipping conference last week or CRE Tech, which was the last month, and there was something like, like there's so many other ways, like the broader industry, but within the industry, within the family, um, that's the kind of the, like the network is already there. So um, least resistance, I guess, is my thought, yeah. right? Make things easier. Given, like, given your startup background as an entrepreneur and your background in, in investing in real estate. If I'm a student that comes into your class and I'm like, I really want to get into prop tech, like what advice are you giving them? It's kind of twofold is kind of what are your core interests, like your background and then understanding like core functionality. So like, for example, I'm a data person. I've always been like the right hand to CFO. I'm like the numbers, my background's numbers and I focused on data analytics because that was my background. So I try to help them understand, like, what are their interests? Um, in the current classes, for example, there are several people who've got huge interest in construction. Like, they come from the construction side, and they they want to do more with, um, they're like, tech. They're, they're like, there has to be a better way to do what we're doing. So it's a more matter of helping them understand that and then understand the, the role they would play. Like, do they see themselves more in a sales function? Do they see themselves more in a customer success function? So it's been more interesting helping them because they're, they're at this young age that they like, they got some work experience, but now they know like they need to be more directive. And so how do they, how do you tap into like, how do you help them be honest with themselves about what they want out of life versus following That's a big question. Right. And helping them say, these are some of your talents and helping them understand that 
that's a valuable skill, helping them understand their weaknesses. And that comes from conversations and getting to know them and um, just like listening. Um, but they do actually have um, advisors that they can go to and they, which is a more programmatic way. I talk to them more as like a mentor. Um, I try to talk to them more as like a mentor and like an older sibling. I'm very protective of them, which is not the normal stance, but it's also, (laughs) I want them to do well. Like I, I, what I tell people is I'm, I'm laid back. I'm, I'm, I'm chill until I'm not, I expect you to deliver. Like, here's the standard. I'm not going to yell and scream, but here's the standard I expect from you. But in the meantime, I'm going to help nurture you and get you there. And you have to show up, you have to engage, you have to be present and participate. So I do expect performance but they're not used to it in um, the style. My style is a bit more Montessori style teaching than um, the other style, I forgot what they call it. But I try to engage and collaborate so that we're all participating because I believe like you only go as fast as your slow student. Um, so it's a, it's a very unique style, but it's mostly like asking what do they want, what they're interested in. Do they want to, some of them want to actually stay within their own lanes, like some of them that are brokers or some of them are, like they do want to figure this out. Like one person's in the lending side, and he is like trying to figure out this, like, how do we abstract leases? So like, they really want to know, like, why isn't this being done? How can I get this done? And they're coming at it from a perspective of, I want to make more money. I want to free up my time. How do I figure this out to make my life easier? So it's, it's very interesting to see the ones who are showing up in the room and engaging are coming from perspective. I, I know there's a better way to do this. They're, yeah. So they're bringing their curiosity and they're asking those questions. Um, and then I, I just try to highlight and pull out like you can see their minds working like and try to guide them and push them along. The challenge is it's after work. So they've always had like a long day and you know, there's yeah. only 24 hours in the day and your brain has only so much capacity and oh, yeah. we think we can do anything, but it's okay to like take a break. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think my brain runs out of capacity around like 4 30 PM. So I can only imagine night class trying to figure out your future. It's, it's a big ask, but but also giving them the space to know you don't have the answer today. Like our society thinks everything should be instantaneous. You should have the answer today. And that drives people, including myself, to make the wrong choices for ourselves. Right? You just get caught up in the herd mentality. And then you feel bad about yourself and you're stuck in a cycle. And so I try to help them under to be more self-aware, to make more conscious choices about what do you really want? And to not be afraid, um, afraid of communicating it or speaking it and, you know, just what do you want? It's your life. Like helping them pull that out because they don't seem to have the bigger struggle for them versus our generation would be more so we had to show up and engage to talk to people in person. We didn't have a smartphone, right? So we would have happy hours and you could go to a bar and meet people. And that their culture is, the culture, even culture shifted so much and we're in a virtual situation. So how do you really create those meaningful relationships? How do you build trust? How do you, um, look at people's eye contact and their body language and see these signals, which say, yes, move forward, like keep going, keep going or no back way. Like those, those like nuances about relationships for not having those opportunities to develop them. And I think those are all these social skills, you know, they evolve over time. And so our, our collective culture is suffering from it, but these are key milestone ages where meaningful relationships can develop and be a basis of, I think you, you mentioned you worked with your, your co-founder for how many years? So you have so much trust built up, right? You, you know each other's nuances and working styles. And that didn't happen overnight. That, that was a result of some fortuitous situation that brought you both together. Um, 
And that's actually the bigger challenge is helping them create and form attachments, which has been, which has been the surprise about all this, you know, technology is great, but also how do you interact with people? Yeah. That's a lot to unpack because I think we are in this interesting time where like, yeah, back our generation, you get on your career track and you just go and you're like, I have to show up and I pick my head up seven, eight, 10 years later. And you're like, eh, this isn't exactly what I want to be doing right now. I wish I was, I wish I was more honest with myself about what I wanted to do back when I started down this path. So I could, um, be a little bit more, um, discerning with, with the steps that I take. Um, because you just hear, Oh, real estate. Yeah. I'm going to get into real estate. And there's so many functions in real estate that all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, you've been a property manager for like eight years. And you're like, Oh, well, I know all of this about property management, but there's a better way to do things. And I wish I knew this earlier. And so it's tough to pivot out of those career spots. Um, but it sounds like, you know, your, your course is trying to get them to do just that, which is like, look, there's other ways to do this. And, you know, you have to be open-minded about it. And like you said, there's probably going to be some people who are like, no, I'm like dead set on being an asset manager or dead set on being an acquisitions uh, person for a REIT or something like that. That's fine. But at least you know that there's another world out there. And then there's probably other people who are like, hey, you know, I want to be in real estate, but I'm not quite sure what I want to do. And like, I want to look at the whole canvas and try to figure out if there's like interesting things out there that are tangential to real estate that might be tech companies or alternate modes of doing things. And and then you layer in just generally like the economic situation too, which is where are the best places to go. Should I go early stage with a company that has a really good product market fit, but hasn't scaled yet or raised money yet? Or should I go to a publicly traded company like a Zillow or something that has, you know, a real estate product, but might be a little bit, you know, dependent on like the economic conditions out there. So there's a whole calculus of of stuff that didn't exist, at least when I was getting into commercial real estate, you know, 15 plus years ago. There's so much choice. So part of it's helping them understand like how to make the right choice. Like, but they also like not to be, there's no such thing as failing if you put yourself out there. So being comfortable with just going after what you want sooner. If you want to do something, yeah, just like you said, just go for it if that's what you want and not, I think human nature is to kind of protect ourselves and put buffers like, and sometimes pretend it's not what we want because they're still learning. So that they're very influential. So if I can give someone confidence to go have a conversation, you know, and they don't know what to say. So some of it's like, how do I even talk to somebody? Like teaching them how to talk to professionals to say hi. Um, <laughs> or just what one of the things I noticed with how technology has changed the student base is a very simple like, hi, Matt, let me shake your hand. How are you doing? My name is so-and-so. Like, I'm really excited by like having that like hundred word sentence conversation for a lot of students, especially in this virtual world. If you, you know, graduated in COVID in 2020, for example, and you really were interviewing like this and you didn't have to be in people's spaces. Uh, I didn't really understand it until I've like done some research as it's, it's, it can create a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And I don't understand it because I don't experience that. Like I like people and I'm, but that's my personality, but it's created a much more introverted society. And so that flows down through generations, right? So um, it's very interesting to see how they're all just learning to navigate it in a very different way. Yeah, and it's fascinating. Because we didn't have as many choices. So, you know, is it better to have more choices or less choices? I don't know. But I, all I can do is give them confidence and the tools to like 
help them make choices that suit them. And they're not going to be the same. And I, and I let them know it's okay for you all to have a whole different set of choices. And so the challenge becomes is supporting all these different choices in a common way, but nurturing, yeah, pushing them along. Well, you're a semester in, so this is, this, you're, you're opening the door for a lot of people. So it's, it's fascinating and that you've identified this as a, as a need and hopefully it c- continues to grow. Um, yes. And I obviously think anything, yeah. I think it's just the beginning, right? It's just the beginning because if you think about who's actually running the show, like these administrators, oh, they remember the dot-com bust. So there's a whole host of real estate professionals who are sitting there, half of them on the sidelines going, this is a joke, not a joke, but like, you know, they're looking for the distressed opportunity moment. They're waiting for everything to fall apart, right? Real estate is a very ROI driven person. So they're waiting for things to be on clearance sale. Like they're waiting to see like, who's the survivor? Who's really going to be around? Yeah. Right? There's a whole host of them like swarming around on one side. And then there's the other side of the table engaging and just kind of moving forward and not necessarily as narcissistic and um, negative. So it's, it's kind yeah. of like a flip side to see what happens. Well, I'm on your side, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> All right, let's 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 uh, let's do our rapid fire five questions here. Um, you get a minute to answer each of them. Okay. And let's go. Question number one, in no particular order. What's your favorite meal of the day? It's dinner. But I like tapas, like appetizers and meze. Like I love appetizers for dinner. Nice. Like a nice, slow, long, keep bringing them out until I get... Yeah, like in Barcelona or something like that. Or I'm Armenian, so I like Middle Eastern meze- like Middle Eastern appetizers. But yeah. like, I find it very fulfilling. I love it over conversation and wine and hanging out. That's a fun fact. But question number two, give us your fun fact. Um, so I'm a children's book author. <laughs> nice. That's my side, my side thing that happened many years ago. But um, I have a children's series sold in 16 countries. Oh, wow. What's it called? It's called Where's Robin? And it's about using travel to teach kids curiosity. And it was based on my travel blog and the credit crisis. I was traveling around and did a Kickstarter and then followed the curiosity. And then there's a whole book series. And um, it's all about just being curious and engaging and trying to learn about using travel as the medium to teach kids curiosity. You're like Carmen Sandiego. Kind of, but a bit more. more. Someone says I use too knowledge I'm too educational or too serious but it's all about just being curious well Carmen saying it doesn't have text but I try yeah, to imagine right. what ifs, like to empower kids like the what if imagine being this imagine doing that like because but it's it's the crazy thoughts that go through my head for sure okay question three so you're a professor at night you're an entrepreneur and resident you're a children's book author I'm sure you have other stuff going on in the free time that you can actually find for yourself. What's your favorite thing to do? I like to play tennis. I love tennis. And I, if I'm, I used to row, but I, tennis is the one thing I could do right now. It's a good tennis. workout. It's a good workout. I'm playing my whole life. Um, I'm very happy even when I'm playing horribly. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't have that backhand. Um, my backhand's not that bad, but sometimes I just miss the ball because I don't, um, I played competitively as a teenager where the culture was like, kill, like you need to just crush it and swap oh, the yeah. ball. And now I just kind of like, I just want to enjoy it. Like, oh, got it. That was great. Great. And I laugh. But because I'm not playing for the 
for the glory of like a gold medal or some kind of crazy thing to get into college. It's, it's fun now. Yeah. Well, you can play that your whole life. yeah, who cares? You had fun. Um, all right. Question number four. Uh, what's your favorite thing about being a professor? I, um, I really like seeing my students reach their potential, like helping them thrive and like just introducing the concepts to help them go ask these questions. But when they really actually engage, like there's a, it's a U curve, I guess someone called it a standard of deviation, right? There's their students there for the, they have to do it. And then students that want to do it and the ones that want to do it and show up and like stay and have questions, like the ones that really want to get better. I enjoy watching them grow. And I, I mean, it's, there are people who helped me in my career. So it's like, you pay it forward, right? Like it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. It's gotta be the best part. Senior, senior students succeed and grow. Totally. It makes up for all the work you have to do in between for sure. That's the fun <laughs> Yeah. It's the reward. All right. Last question. Um, it's been great having you on. Are there any other folks in the prop tech space or your academic space that you think we should have on as guests? Yeah, so I have a colleague, Dave Thuss and Amanda Schultz, who are building um, a digitization automation platform with appliances, which is pretty cool. They're a team. They're pitching for funding, actually, this right now. So um, to get to the final hurdle, so happy to introduce you to that. And then um, I'm happy to introduce my, my actually my boss, Zach Penix. He's a director at the startup studio, and he's bring, he brings a very unique perspective to building companies. Um, having built companies and how, you know, how do you rethink the corporate innovation model, but also how do you like convert things over, if that makes sense. But, you know, recognizing that some of the best ideas sound insane at the beginning and how do you really build people over and rethink things, like rethink the building process in a very accelerated, how do you get from an idea to get to market as fast? So he's got some very interesting ideas around that. Cool. We'll take you up on those intros. Uh, Robin, this has been great. Thanks for joining the show. Thank uh, you. A lot of interesting stuff to think about uh, from our conversation. Um, if people wanted to find you, how would they do that? Um, the best way is on LinkedIn. My name is Robin Barone. Connect with me that way. I'm especially always open to talking to different startups or different founders, you know, trying to make the, the network as big as possible. And, um, you know, I'm always happy to help in any way and connect people in ways that lead to better success for everybody. Cool. All right, Robin. Thanks a lot. It was great having you on. Thank you. Take care. Bye.